Welcome to Alter Your Comics Presents. I'm Alex. I'm Laura. And I'm Jared. And this week we're going to talk about some post-apocalyptic books. Stuff that happens after an apocalypse or the apocalypse, depending on what universe, beliefs, whatever. Um, so yeah, stuff that happens after the bad times. Jared, why don't you start it off? I'll start us off with uh, one called Wasteland. Um, it is set 100 years after an event called the Big Wet, and it's a disaster that happens that they never really say what happened. Um, it's basically America is a barren desert wasteland with without any, technolo- any modern technology, and uh, the seas are poisonous. So you can't go out on the sea, can't go on the, out on the land, you know. So it's basically that kind of life and it's uh it has monsters that are tracking and hunting the the human race so it's very mad max related but with monsters so it's water world cranked up to 11 yeah i'll go with that that's <laughs> pretty what good. it sounds like to me yeah yep it's been a while since i've read it but if i remember right it's pretty good sounds good laura what is one of your post-apocalyptic books um i actually reread the massive for this week i didn't recall it resounding with me before, but when I googled post-apocalyptic comics, this and Lazarus came up on a whole bunch of lists. So I was like, oh, well, it's on my shelf. Maybe I missed something. And basically, the main guy, his name's Callum... I forget his last name. Not important. But he's existing after they call it the crash. In this world, it kind of reminds me of now, like... They had a bajillion hurricanes. They had, like, uh, fire tornadoes. They had all these natural disasters just hit one after another, after another, after another. So they called it the crash. And, like, all the world's economies broke down. So in the previous, like, before this happened, Callum was... A while ago, he was kind of a black ops sniper kind of guy and did some sort of shady stuff. But he made a bunch of money, so then when he finally was like, you know what? And tired of being shady, he turned into kind of like a Greenpeace person and got these two boats. And the story really is supposed to be focusing on he's searching for one of them called the Massive is missing. And he's on the Capital, I think is the name of the other boat. Sorry. I do terrible at retaining the information in my head and I didn't write good notes on this. But anyway, so he's in his, his vessel looking for his other vessel and it follows them around as they're like restocking and resupplying and trying to get goods that are hard to get because after everything happened the most important thing to people isn't the money that he does have but the resources and stuff and he wants to be peaceful so he doesn't want to have guns and a lot of people are like well i'd trade you for guns but you don't have that either so it was it did end up being more interesting on the second read and in the first volume is what i have they actually well, I guess, maybe spoiler, they don't find the massive yet. So a little part of me is like, oh, maybe I should get the next volume because I bet that's why I didn't like it the first time, because they didn't finish. Maybe if I finished it, I'd like it better. So to recap, we're going to call 2020 everything, just the crash. With yep. everything that's happened so far. I'll go with that. Okay. Just making sure. We'll make that a thing. Listeners, make this a thing also, and we'll go from there. Get it trending like, what was it, Steak Rick approves? Something like that. yeah. <laughs> okay. So it'll be 2020, the crash is what we're gonna call the whole year. Uh, so with that, uh, my first pick will be Old Man Logan by Mark Miller. 
basically the Marvel Universe, something has gone horribly wrong where all the heroes are dead and a good portion of the supervillains have taken over everything. Find out that it is Wolverine's fault for doing it. He got brainwashed or manipulated by Mysterio to turn on his friends and family and kill them all. So that put in position of the villains to wipe out the rest and take over. And this one has Wolverine living out, or old man Logan, I should say, living out on a farm with his family and kids. Then all of a sudden, Hawkeye, an older Hawkeye, an older blind Hawkeye, comes out and like, hey, I need you to do this mission for me, blah, blah, blah. Bad stuff happens, and old man Logan. Really cool thing with it, too, is it spun out. There are several things that spun out of it, like he ended up joining the main Marvel Comics world for a little while. They also did Old Man Hawkeye, which was a prequel to Old Man Logan. And they did Old Man Quill, which was the same time frame as Old Man Logan 2. Bunch of spinoffs, but really the the main best story, just the one Old Man Logan series. I want to say it was like four or five issues originally. Something like that. Then they had a hiatus and ended it on a one-shot. Well, because they ended up doing the Secret Wars where they had him as another old man Logan story, which the, ended up, that's how they brought him into the main universe was through the battle world. Yeah. But yeah, old man Logan, if you want to find out, basically the movie Logan was, was old man Logan. That was such a good story, too. So yeah, Old Man Logan by Mark Miller. What's next on your list, Jared? Um, I'm going to go with my favorite. I'm going to steal it from you guys probably. Uh, Why the Last Man, a young escape artist called Yorick Brown, uh, survives a an apocalypse that kills all male species, and uh, except for him and his uh, monkey Ampersand. And they go across America and are trying to find his girlfriend. Well, that's his goal, the... Uh, characters he runs across want him to go to a lab to get tested to see why he was immune to this catastrophic event. Or to procreate. To yeah. actually or save they, the human race. They do that a couple times, so... <laughs> they try They try to procreate with them. Yeah. Forcibly. So, but that has so many good moments in that book. Uh, one of the one things that always stuck with me was the astronauts that were up in space. They were immune to it until they came back to Earth. So then you definitely find out it's some sort of airborne virus sort of thing. Right. And it was so, it's such a good story. So that's my pick. It was definitely on my list, but I was like, yeah, Jared, I have enough on my list to let you go after that one. You know, I'll always talk about that one. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that one, we can't say, we can't give it enough praise, really. That's if you don't even like apocalypse stuff, it doesn't matter. Like, it's it's still good science fiction, drama, action. It's got everything. Romance. Yep. And a lady assassin slash security guard for him called Agent 355. That was the number. I knew it was some sort of number. And what you do find out her name later. No. Don't we? He does. Well, well, the but reader we, doesn't. The reader doesn't? Okay. I was mistaken. Nope. So, yeah. Why the last man? Laura, what's on your list? list really i kind of focused on that one i thought i was gonna get back to lazarus which was on a lot of other people's lists um i remember it's a little something about after whatever happens in this apocalypse all the wealthy people are who kind of take over the world which makes some sense if you've got money and you know have connections and all that i remember being really weirded out there's a lot of very close family moments in this or at least there was at least one big one that sticks out in my head but yeah sorry that's not really a pick but it's a post-apocalyptic book that other people said was really good. So it's a pick, not necessarily your pick. Yeah, that's kind of, I'm not a post-apocalyptic person. Like, I don't want to live in that world. (laughs) Once the running water stops, 
I'm done. Like, <laughs> Indoor plumbing or bust. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll go on with another one of my picks then. I have to mention The Walking Dead because it's huge and monumental and blah, blah, blah. Started in 2000, I want to say three was when the book started, I think. Something like that. I'm not sure. It was early, I know it was early 2000s when the comic book started. Beginning in 2003, yep. Yep, and the movie, or the TV series started in 2010? 10, 11. Something like that, yeah. So people are like, oh, they made a comic book off of the show. No, the exact opposite. They made the books long before. It ran 193 issues, I think. Yep. And it's done, it's completed. Possibly the biggest and most influential zombie story. Of all time. Of all time. Um, I would argue... One of the, but not the, I still say George A. Romero, Dawn of the Dead, yeah. is still the quintessential, this is the, this is what we zombies probably are. probably wouldn't have The Walking Dead without Romero. Absolutely, yeah. Although so. Romero started with the movie, though, right? Yes. So Walking Dead could still be the most influential comic. Yeah, definitely the most influ- influential comic, that's for sure. One of my favorite scenes in the Walking Dead comic was uh, the governor's attack on the prison where uh, his, Rick's wife and Judith get killed. Because yeah. in the comic, Judith does not survive. Spoilers. <laughs> it's not a spoiler. It's been out for a while. But they, uh, they're they running away from the prison, and next page you turn, it's a huge double-page panel of her getting shot with a tank round while holding Judith. And I'm like, oh my god, that's gruesome. They killed the baby. Yeah. So that one was stuck with me for a while. For me, it was still at the prison, but what was the way Carol just like, hey, can you watch my kid real quick? Like, yeah, sure. Well, no problem. Then she just walked into a zombie, like, done. Yeah. Just peaced out. Like, all right, I'm done. We're just walking into a zombie, let her chew on her neck so she'd die and everything. Like, was that, that pretty early on? That was, yeah, that was early on. That was on. early, yeah. That was when they were still in the prison with uh, the governor and everything. Yep. And there's so many good moments in that book. Yeah, and the show, they did the... They, I mean, shoot, she, she, she's still around in the show. So, yep. like, well, they loved her loved her character in the show, did not like her character in the book. So they just yeah. killed her off in the book. And, yeah, it was one of those, like, oh, that was that was pretty intense for that. What else is on your list there, Jared? Um, One I'd like to mention, It, I didn't think the story was as good as some of these other ones, but Crossed. It's very adult, very gory. Um, it's kind of like a zombie apocalypse, but they're not zombies. They're basically turned insane cannibals. They break out into a rash or something like that that's made into a cross on their face, and they're all crazy trying to eat each other, and it's very graphic. But, it uh, is the hardest of our ratings. Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> yep. It's, it, it makes my soul hurt whenever I would flip through the pages like, ugh. Yeah. It just hurts. Yep. But uh, it's very post-apocalyptic, and I think it's one that deserves to be on this list. And they did do a spinoff one volume, I think it was called Red River Charlie, or Charlie Red oh, River, something like those. something like that, Which yeah. takes place from the animals' point of views, and they're like, why are these people going nuts? And like, I couldn't read that one either. It was like, nope, it's still... It was still very crossed, very gory. Yep. So, if you are into the intense gore with violence and minimal story... Yeah, I was going to say, I can't, I can't tell you the real concept of the story. It's been a long time since I've read any of those, but... That one was just a lot of gore, a lot of guts. Yeah, we don't even carry it at the store anymore. Yeah. It was one of those like, all right, well, it's not moving anymore, and we feel bad whenever we touch it. So, <laughs> If you want it, we can order Hard it for you. If you ever want to read yeah. something like that, yeah. it's if something you, that's still orderable. If you're into that sort of hardcore stuff, then we can order for you. It's just, it is not for the faint at heart and the weak stomachs. Yep. 
So speaking of weak stomachs and everything, let's go with more zombies. Deceased by Tom Taylor with the DC Comics Zombies Apocalypse. They're currently on their third series of Deceased right now with Deceased Dead Planet. They did regular Deceased, Deceased Unkillables, which was from the villain's point of view, and then Dead Planet is the current stuff that's going on. There's a computer bioorganic virus so it started on apocalypse started on apocalypse and it was transmitted through cyborg since he's part yes, human part it's like the anti-life equation it's basically what final crisis should have been in my opinion and it's wonderful too like <laughs> i say wonderful but like a lot of people die and left and right but like oh, yeah. it is emotional and there are some pretty important superhero deaths that oh yeah are, that are huge. Like, I mean, the first issue, they have Nightwing eating Batman for a little bit. Or right. chewing on him, not eating. But so, Nightwing was a zombie, and he bites Batman. They kill off Batman right away. So, spoiler alert, Batman becomes a zombie. Spoiler alert, <laughs> yes. I mean, so. I, I think it's safe and fair to say that anyone's fair game for that to be killed off and everything. Yeah, Definitely. they just come back. It's really no different than in the real universe. They all die and come back. Well, I, I just no, they look a lot worse when they're zombies. This time. Different kind of death. Alfred oh. had a shotgun. Oh, okay. So. And, and <laughs> Bruce, at that point, knew enough to slow down the infection spread so he can still do some good. Yeah, he put on a Mr. Freeze's cold suit yeah. to slow down his metabolism and let it uh, slowly eat him away, but he still tried to help the Justice League. But technically, he still died and came back, but then died again and didn't come back. I don't know if he reanimated <laughs> or not. But, no, Alfred was right there with a the shotgun the whole time, so... Yeah, it's hard to tell. But, yeah, Deceased is a wonderful story. We have two of the trades out. We have them in, in the shelves right now. And the third one isn't in trade yet, so we can't have it on trade. But I'm looking forward to the next issue. What else is on your list there, Jared? Well, I'll kind of go with the same theme and say Marvel Zombies. Um, I love how both Deceased and Marvel Zombies keep the uh, superheroes, their powers intact as they're zombies. They're still intelligent zombies. Yeah. So it's, you know, a zombie invisible woman from Fantastic Four is she can turn invisible. And that's a zombie you don't want around. And <laughs> they can Wolverine, turn in. Yeah, Wolverine, Wolverine still uses claws. Yeah. Like Human Torch still flames on somehow. I'll go with it. Yeah. I, you know. <laughs> uh, and the cool thing with this one, too, is the original series was written by Robert Kirkman of The Walking Dead fame. So... I think he, I don't remember which one he wrote for first. If he wrote for Marvel Zombies or The Walking Dead. But it's like on the cover, it's like, oh, from The Walking Dead, written by Robert Kirkman. Marvel Zombies 1 came out in 2005. So after Walking Dead. So those were two awesome books and I hope they keep doing them. They're fun. Yeah, well, they're for the new... reader, not for the characters. Right. I mean, they have the newest <laughs> series that we talked about, the Marvel Zombies Resurrection, yep. which is a brand new universe with the... I like how they describe the zombie virus where it doesn't make you dumb. It just makes you obsessed called with something that they call the hunger. Yeah. So you're constantly hungry for flesh of some sorts, apparently. So like, oh, that's how they can justify, oh, you still have your intelligence and everything. Just you're driven crazy by the virus. At one point in the first issue, or the first series, I should say, Captain America has like only half a brain. Yeah. And he's still he's... like, oh, I'm still a super soldier, even with half a brain. Yep. It's like, that's still terrifying then. <laughs> he put the top of his head on like a hat for a little bit. Yeah. You know, just kind of propped it up there. Well, he got his head cut off by Magneto for, with his sword. With, I mean, or with, with his, his shield. With his, shield. With his own shield. Magneto cut his head off. Yeah, I forget if it was important or if it was just the toy that had it but i remember the spider-man zombie was like carrying around his leg too he's like it's still part of me like i don't want to give it up it's still my <laughs> leg well they end up doing like um 
zombie Deadpool with the head pool where flying around just the head by itself on the little flying helicopter hat and everything. They did that with the Deadpool multiverse also. They, they've had fun with that. Oh, yeah. But it's, I'm definitely surprised that Disney is bringing Disney Marvel is bringing back Marvel zombies now that Disney has a control. Because for a while they were doing the zombie toys, but it was just the villains. Like, all right, we're not showing villain heroes at all because they're the heroes, blah, blah, blah. And like, now, like, ah, screw it. Let's have the zombie heroes too because that's, that's the best part. Yeah, so that's Marvel Zombies, which is still going strong again in 2020, the year of anything that can happen. Yep, and just kind of piggybacking off of that, there was one called, which I didn't read, uh, Night of the Living Deadpool. And I did read that one. That was pretty cool. Like, it was all in black and white except for Deadpool. It reminded me a lot of um, Schindler's List. Oh, okay. Where it was all grayscale except for the red. And it was like everything was grayscale except for him. He was all in his full color suit and everything. Where it was Night of the Living Dead, but with Deadpool. That'd be pretty good. I'll have to check that one out. It was pretty good. Yeah, I remember, from what I remember, I enjoyed it. I, it's in trade now. It's got to be. So definitely worth checking out. So another post-apocalyptic tale on my list is Dark Knight's Metal by Scott Snyder, where there is a dark multiverse where everything, like each person has their own, or each multiverse has its own apocalypse that has gone on. And this is where we end up getting the Batman who laughs into the main everything. And I really like that story because it had a evil Batman version of Flash, Cyborg, Superman, all the Justice League members. There's an evil Batman version. And it showed, there's a bunch of one shots that showed how they became who they were. Like when he stole the Speed Force or when he became the Aquaman of the sea sort of thing. And it was really cool. I didn't particularly like the main story arc, but I did like the ones where it has the Dark Knight's Rising, where they each person, or each bat, Dark Batman, took over. So that was pretty cool. I know. That's uh, still kind of ongoing with uh, some of the Dark Multiverse stuff. Which one came out this week again? Well, now they're going on with the uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal. Death the Metal, series. that's right. Yep. So it was Dark Knight's Metal. This is the Dark Knight's Death Metal which is a spinoff. I believe it's still its own universe. It's not necessarily tied in with the Dark Knight's Metal. I don't think. I haven't been reading it, unfortunately, so I can't say for sure. But I know this week they had an issue where it was the Dark Knight's Death Metal Speed Metal, where I had, I think it was Kid Flash. Yeah, he came back. I flipped through it. I haven't read it, but it looked pretty interesting. Yeah. Anything else on your list, Jared? Oh, Flashpoint. We Flashpoint, wanted to yeah. throw Flashpoint in there where Barry Allen goes back in time to save his mother, and he's starts out with him at present day with no flash powers and you know trying to figure out why and he goes to find bruce wayne and realizes bruce was the one killed in the alley not his parents and uh thomas wayne is now an evil not evil um, crazy batman crazier batman i would say he's borderline Somewhat. evil especially what's happened since yeah. then i would say he's definitely borderline evil yeah crazy vigilante with a bit of a dark streak something like that but uh, so he goes to Batman, now Thomas Wayne, to get his powers back. And they recreate the chemicals around him and the lightning strike and everything. And crack me up, the first time they tried it, he fried himself. Then they did it again, and then he got his powers back. But uh, it's very post-apocalyptic in the terms of there's a great war between uh, Atlantis and um, Themyscira, Wonder Woman versus Aquaman, and they basically devastate the planet with this war. And I know all of, uh, like, Europe and England and everything is underwater from a massive flood generator that they uh, Atlantis throws at the human race. So it's just uh, a lot of individuals like Lois Lane, part of the resistance, that are trying to survive yet end the war. So it was very good. And I would argue that 
the events after uh, Flashpoint is post-apocalyptic because it was after that apocalypse. Yep. It reset the timeline, so the way the Flash lived it is after the apocalypse, sort of. So everything of Rebirth is post-apocalyptic. I'll go with that. From that point of view. <laughs> and the last thing I will have that is post-apocalypse is the Scooby-Doo Apocalypse by Keith Giffen. This is a rated R version of Scooby-Doo, where we all know the cartoon that's all fun and games with mysteries and everything, but this one is one made for the 21st century, where it is adults, and there are, there's like a nanite virus that enhances everyone's fears and stuff, and like Scooby can talk because there's like this robotic machine that's on him that can actually translate dog thoughts into speech and everything. So and it wasn't drugs this time. Not, <laughs> not necessarily drugs this time, at least. We'll go that way. So yeah, that's Scooby-Doo Apocalypse is my final apocalyptic one for this week. I'd like to also throw out there, I feel like because zombies and everything are such a big thing right now, there are a lot of Marvel alternate universe things that pop up in different comics that seems like they're spinning some post-apocalyptic things into all their stuff, too. Because even Venom 28 this week, he's in an alternate... They don't really say. Like, he went through a dimensional gate, so I'm not sure where he is, but there, there's been an apocalypse, too, from this guy called Codex. And he, like, unleashed all these symbiotes that have attached to the different Avengers and things, and morph them so they almost seem like zombies but they're they're venomized i guess is a good way to say it. But i thought i'd throw that out there even though it's not an old or an in-trade thing it's really just one issue but so more the apocalypse the current series of venom is post-apocalyptic of sorts yeah that works for me yeah all right so with that we'll move on to this week's best books then unless we have any last call for other apocalypse stuff Oh, would you consider what happens after Thanos snaps his fingers and kills half of humanity an apocalypse? That does seem a little apocalyptic. Uh, it seems kind of deadly, it's yeah. Borderline. I mean, half the population's gone. So that would be Infinity War. Yeah. That's what we'd go with. We could throw that in there. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, a little gray area with that, but we'll go with it. I've, screw it at this point. I don't want to say anything that's published during or after the year 2020 is post-apocalyptic. <laughs> I'll go with that, too. <laughs> at this rate, that's good enough, right? Anything after what, March? <laughs> uh, let's just go, let's get a buffer of February. Uh, well, well, when was Australia on fire? That was the January, January. so. Kobe passed in January, February. January, February. Oh, no, that was, I think that was in 2019, I thought. Oh, it could be. I think it was like the tail end of 2019. I don't remember. Uh, Google. Way. With COVID, every time's meaningless yeah. still. I feel bad for the kids of the future that have to study modern history. And like, all right, year 2020, what all happened? Well, we had Australia was on fire, COVID, murder hornets somewhere. We had more hurricanes than we could name with the original alphabet. The West Coast was on fire. Uh, and it's election year. So, like, <laughs> year 2020, the year that does not quit and will suck forever. <laughs> Let's just hope we don't carry this into 2021. Well, that's that's our hope, hopes and dreams so. there. So, <laughs> at the end of that, again, let's go with this week's Picks of the Week. Jared, what is your favorite Pick of the Week? Uh, slight disclaimer for everybody listening. This week was very light on books. I think I only took home 10 or 11. 
So I know we normally do like two or three each person. I'm thinking probably one, maybe two or honorable mentions. I mean, I know I personally only have one pick of the week. I have one pick of the week and one I'd like to mention. That's sorry in advance. I have this run short, but that means my editing time gets cut down. So that's a winner for everybody. So Jared, your pick of the week. Okay. I'm going to go with uh, Batgirl number 49. It's a Joker war tie-in collateral damage. Um, we are the second to last issue till the series ends. Is it ending with 50? I believe the series is ending with issue number 50. Until they start... Until they relaunch it, yeah. Because that's what comic book people do. Yeah. But uh, it's basically someone going around killing redheaded women then dressing them up as Batgirl and leaving them around. So the world's starting to think Batgirl's dead and... uh, Well, maybe she's not dead because there keeps being more. Yeah, it keeps happening. There's a couple here and there popping up. So it's a mystery series about who is killing her... uh, Not her, but uh, who is killing the Batgirls, the redheaded women. Um, GCPD is working the case as well. Um, It's got a bit of a twist ending with... And it's a major ending. We'll just yeah. say that it is a One monumental ending, and, and I'm excited. I'm excited slash curious to really see how it truly pans out at the yeah, end. Yeah, and how it's uh, going to. It ties in with Joker War. It says, but I didn't see how. But I think we're gonna have to wait till the final issue of Joker War itself. Also, it's Joker so, War collateral damage, meaning it takes place after Joker War at this point. And it's, well, the other ones were called collateral well, damage. For this one, it's like it's be, uh, this is the fallout afterwards. Yeah, because uh, in the last issue, her brother, um, James Gordon Jr., the second or third or whatever his name junior, is. Junior, I think. is just Junior, I can remember. Her brother, James Gordon, shows up in this, and they don't have a very good relationship, if you've been reading Bad Girl. So he's, uh, a terrible relationship, put in short. Yes, so um, they've got a lot going on in this issue, but I'd like to see where we go w- in terms of Joker War from here. Yeah, I'm. Well, I was who they're going with Joker War and with Batgirl. I like. I was reading her right before they did the Batgirl Burnside stuff. It was this felt very similar to that, where it was like good heavy drama to it. Then they did the Batgirl Burnside and like light teeny bopper. Like I don't care anymore. I'm yeah. done. <laughs> this was very. It was a it was a mystery story. It was very good. Um, I get nervous whenever they have event books like Joker War and hey, Batgirl number fifty is the final issue of this, and they're doing an event book. You know, it just in the past there has been history of that character dying. You know, so I'm hoping they don't do anything like that. I don't think they are. I don't think that's the case. But uh, so based off of nothing, this is not a spoiler. This is just hopefully a prediction. I'm thinking Batgirl, quote unquote, may die. But she, but Barbara Gordon will take up another mantle, maybe. I liked or, her. Or return as Oracle. Yeah, even. I liked yeah. her as Oracle when she was paralyzed. I thought she was great. I thought I liked Cassandra Kane as Batgirl. I liked how Barbara Gordon was leading the Birds of Prey. Like I don't care about the Birds of Prey now, yeah. and I did when she was leading the team. And I think she helped make the other characters like Huntress a little more personable. Readable? Yeah. Well, I don't know what the right phrasing is, but uh, I was more interested. More real. Yeah, like, more real. More three-dimensional, even. There, yeah. Uh, but uh, I liked her in that, so I'm curious to see where they're going with it. And I like her as Batgirl, too. So, I mean, I'll take it or leave it, but I like the character of Barbara Gordon. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking either someone else will take up the name Batgirl and or Barbara will take a different job or a different hero name or alias or something else. She will ditch the Batgirl name because of stuff that may or may not have happened at the the last page of this book. 
Yep. <laughs> I'll just leave yep. it at that. Yep. And maybe too, I, hopefully it's not a spoiler because it's been like a month out now, but when she had those issues with the, what is it, the chip that's in her back like that lets her walk? The implant, yeah, the, they, the wane in the trees that so she can walk. Yeah, they said you've got like no more chances, like stop ripping that out. So she might be like, well, if I want to keep walking, maybe I should give up the hero gig. Yeah, yeah she could. Yeah. Uh, Laura, what is your pick of this week? I actually, I know we kind of talked about it earlier and everyone was kind of mad about it, but the autumnal actually stuck with me a little bit, even though it was kind of creepy. I kind of got a kick out of it. Um, it was about Kat Somerville and her daughter Sybil, and it starts out, we realize that Sybil, she might be a little slow and she's definitely, she has anger issues and medication and her mom is very supportive of her, but, like, her school is kind of like, she can't keep coming into school and doing this stuff, and she needs to be more in control, and yada yada. But, kind of, luckily, the mother cat just found out that her mother died unexpectedly, and for some reason left her some um, inheritance. So they're going back to her original hometown of Comfort Notch for her mom's funeral, and... It's interesting how Sybil gets there and she's like all about the leaves and she's like, um, I think this town is actually renowned for its autumn foliage and like people come there to just see the leaves change and all this. And I like the phrase, Kat said, that's some sick vocab while Sybil was describing all the leaves and saying, oh, they've got these veins and they've got this and that. And if I had it in front of me, I'd read you a piece, but don't have it right now. But it was... I thought it stuck out a little bit, and I'm curious to see what happens. I don't know if we'll see issue number two or not. But. We'll probably see it, whether or not I'll be, have a chance to read it or not, but we'll see it. <laughs> uh, and with that, I'll do my pick of the week, which was Juggernaut number one by Fabian Nikizia. Nikizia, I'm not sure. Sorry, but Fabian is the first name. Uh, this is a five-issue miniseries. Normally, I don't care about Juggernaut. He's mildly interesting. Like, oh, he's the stone of Sidorak and... Once he starts moving, he can't, nothing can stop him unless he decides himself. But this is him, kind of a redemption story with him, of him trying to become a good guy and working as a demolitions expert, where, I forget what the name of the company is named. Damage Control. Damage Control, thank you. They're hiring him to, all right, hey, we need this building knocked down. You're going to knock down buildings. You're a lot cheaper than explosives or a wrecking crew or whatever, so just run through these buildings and destroy them for us. And he gets through a couple of them, and then stuff happens with, like, the third building where there are people that are trying to stop him, and we'll see what goes from there. But, yeah, it was pretty good. I really enjoyed it. It's cool to see him actually becoming more of a person than just a plot device. Like, oh, it's my job to run into things. That's what I do. That's it. That game over. It's interesting to see him developing more as a character, which that's for why me, I've always liked Marvel a little bit more than DC, is because Marvel seems to do a good job at making a character and be a, a person not just oh this is just this person like oh no it's this is kane marco the juggernaut it's not just the juggernaut or not just the person it is three-dimensional full character and one thing to note too a lot of books this week that were produced by marvel they have the chadwick boseman uh rest in power the since he, he's the black panther that died they've been doing a black border on a lot of them starting this week that's a little side tangent but Going back, Juggernaut number one was my favorite pick of the week. Do honorable mentions, quick and short. Okay, my honorable mention is going to be Spider-Man, written by J.J. Abrams, and his his son still writing it, yep. too? Henry, well, yeah, yeah J. J. the J. son, Henry. I think, is yep. the writing it completely, and J.J.'s just, like, 
consulting. Over consulting. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Basically, and he's he's on the title. <laughs> Henry was the only one to do the job, but they needed star power behind it. So like, all right, JJ, you want to you want to write with your, your dad? Write with your kid. <laughs> all right, fine. That's so, the impression that I get. It's been a really good story. It's set in the future with Spider-Man. And, well, it starts out with Spider-Man in issue one, and Mary Jane gets killed. And he's raising their son by himself. He loses an arm. He loses an arm. So we're on issue four now. Of uh, five, I believe. Four of five. So um, with COVID, it's I'm sure it's slowing down because I didn't realize that this hadn't come out yet. <laughs> it's been a long time <laughs> so since it's been a while. last issue. But he is teamed up with an old man Iron Man, Tony Stark, and they're going through, I can't remember, I'm going to have to go back and reread the other issues because I can't remember what all happened. But Peter Parker gets taken in the last issue and is now a hostage to this giant spider creature that is a woman called... Minka Minka? something. It's on the front page. Yeah, I wasn't sure who that character was. Yeah, it's in that list yeah i wasn't sure who that character was in relation to the marvel universe it wasn't one i recognized yeah i thought she was solo to this new character or anything but you know with it being a futuristic story with peter parker's kid you kind of expect it to be related to somebody in spider-man's past or something like that and i don't think it actually is and i could be wrong i didn't recognize her wrong call me out on it uh, also spider-man previous issue number three came out december of last year oh wow that's also no wonder we forgot December, I mean, sure, two months, whatever, but, like, yeah, like, issue five is supposed to come out in the middle of November, so roughly two months from now, but, like, come on, guys. Yeah. You could have released this a while ago. Yeah, they really could have, but they're fighting a group of Avengers that are, like, almost like zombies, but they're cybernetically controlled as, I don't remember the last issues, is it Ultron related? Something like that, I Possibly, think. Possibly, but they're I, cybernetically I related. It looks like an Ultron job to me. So he's fighting Thor, the Hulk, and everything like that. Um, and they're after Tony Stark. But Sp- the young Spider-Man named Ben Parker is there to help save the day. So the spider character called Minka is using uh, Peter Parker as a hostage to bait Ben Parker to come fight. So, so she can get his blood. So she can get his blood. And it's a, it's actually really good. You know, JJ's son's kid, Henry, is doing a good job. They'll give him some props. For me, I'm definitely going to reread it and trade. Same here. Because, I mean, I can't remember nearly what a year slash before the crash is when the previous <laughs> issue came out. Before the crash. So, like... This is a pre-crash story. Yeah, I'm not 100% if I just skip the other issues or if I just don't remember. So I'm going to have to reread them to decide if I actually reread them or if I'm reading them the first time. <laughs> I know I read them before, but I know I don't remember. Like, I was flipping those, like, I don't remember any of this that happened before. Yeah, luckily I stumbled across them when I was hiding inkblot in the Spider-Man room somewhere. I found my J.J. Abrams ones. I was like, oh yeah, I need to catch up on these. Any honorable mentions from you, Laura, for this week? Sure. I almost picked the Immortal She-Hulk as my pick of the week. I forgot about that one. That was good. How could you forget? I thought it was really neat. I guess I kind of have a soft spot for Wolverine, too. And it was interesting to me how she's kind of having some trauma because she's died a lot of times and come back. And she talks to Wolverine because that's sort of his superpower. He dies and comes back. And she's like, how, how do you deal with this? Like, I forget exactly what he says, but he's kind of like, you just start to get used to it after a while and you decide you 
You are who you are now. You kind of have to forget about who you were and how it's been left behind. But move on and do the best you can. And it's weird to see Wolverine as like a therapist. I mean, he, he's dealt with death probably more than any other superhero. Yeah, because he's super old too, technically, right? So uh, with his healing factor, I mean, he probably has seen so many people die that yeah, that's the other side of affecting him. And he is, all intents and purposes, died and then regenerated enough times, too. Yeah, I wonder when they'll do the immortal Wolverine, or is that already a thing? Not yet, it's not. Okay, because I think that's part of why they did the, there's the immortal Hulk and the immortal She-Hulk, and if there were other ones on the list this week. But yeah, oh, and another, like, almost a spoiler to throw out there. As She-Hulk's remembering being dead and the transition periods and all that, she kind of gets a warning, and I'm wondering... Okay, and number two, where's this warning going to go? What are we going to get? Uh, which, that one reminds me of my other honorable mention that I want or I guess my first honorable, uh, is going to be Maestro number two, which is the story of how the Hulk turns into the Maestro and what happened. I forget what story it was that he was originally, the Maestro appeared in. Some Hulk book. That was another post-apocalyptic one that I should have mentioned earlier. But this is a good transition of showing what makes the Hulk good guy, mostly, turn into a full-on dictator, bad guy, going on, and why the name Maestro and everything. And this issue sets up and explains that that wasn't necessarily his name that he gets called originally. So Maestro is someone else's name. I'll put it that way. And I don't want to go into details, but because that's kind of a spoiler for the final page that book but i do think they also mentioned he was called that in like college or something too like it was a college uh, I guess, nickname yeah, it was a brief nickname so, yeah that's right so yeah it was his but he thinks that somehow it's his now too and he's like am i meeting myself what what's going on it's here? almost serendipitous that someone yeah. else is being called maestro so yeah that's my that's my first honorable mention is maestro number two i've enjoyed the whole series i'm looking forward to the rest of them should be good any other honorable mentions? I know I have one more. I think me and you have the same one, so I'll let you you take it away. Laura? No, I think that I can save what I had for other stuff. So this is a test. Was it the unkind or just unkindness of ravens? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So that's our other honorable mention, unkindness of ravens. It is written by Dan Panasonian. Don't know who that is. So look relatively like a newcomer. He writes a pretty good book. Uh, apparently, yeah. I enjoyed this one. <laughs> So it follows a girl and her dad yes. that are going to a new town, moving in, and they go to a town where there's a, another girl that looks similar to her that was missing, and everyone's like, oh, it's that girl yet, or she looks so similar. They gave her the same locker as the missing girl also, even though she's only been gone for like two weeks. Like, that yeah. seems kind of fast to be giving up someone's clear their possessions and locker and everything but there is some magical things going on with this yeah and i think something's going to tie into that too is why they moved there probably is because um his her dad got a new job in that area this is uh, where he grew up at too yeah and okay, um, i was gonna say i thought so he uh they kind of explain it at the very beginning her dad has back problems and uh injured her his leg in a car accident that killed her mom and her so, sister i and, think yeah it was her mom oh, and her I missed sister. that. I think it was, mm -hmm. I think it was her I mom must have missed that, yeah. So I, th I think that's going to play into the future of the story as well, and I'm really excited to see where they go with that. That was really good. Well, I really like, too, it started with a quick, like, brief history of, like, the Salem Witch Trials and yeah. the original early witch trials and everything. So there is definitely some magic stuff going on with this as well. I I would classify it as a horror book. I Possibly. Don't know. Um, it's it's kind of early to tell just the art seems some very type of supernatural horror. yeah 
And this is only a four-issue miniseries as of right now, too. So it's definitely interesting to see where they're going to go with that. It's by Boom Studios, which they do a lot of miniseries that turn into ongoing afterwards if the, the sales are there and whatnot. So, yeah, for me, it was it was out of nowhere because I'd never heard of it before. I didn't know this writer or the, or the artist or anything. So I was like, oh, check it out. And I thought it was pretty good. So, Same here. It surprised me. So I believe that is our last honorable mention. Unless we have anything honorable honor. All right, cool. So we'll go with our heroes of the week. Um, I'll start it out since you guys are both struggling right now to go with, I'm going to go with the Hulk slash the maestro, specifically the maestro version, because he survived an apocalypse that like was in the sleep for a while, woke up and it's interesting to see what's going on with this and what's he going to do with that village and everything. And as of right now, he's not acting like a bad dude. So, yeah, I went with Maestro slash Hulk slash Bruce Banner slash Joe Fixit slash any other other any other aliases that he goes by. So he did list a few in that he, one. Yeah. Come to think of it, I can't yep. remember all they were. So I'm going with Banner Hulk Maestro as my hero of the week. Who wants to step up next? Jared looked at his phone briefly. I'll go with, uh, I want to backtrack just a little bit, one of the apocalyptic stories we forgot about, um, the Ultimates, where uh, Magneto tilted the Earth's axis and flooded New York and killed a whole bunch of people and everything like that, and the heroes went after him and made him tilt it back. So Magneto's your hero? No. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just backtracking. It just popped in my head. That, okay. Oh, I was just we making had, sure. Uh, I was like, uh, where are you going with this yeah, one, bud? That, that's nothing. It was nothing. It was just one of those uh, stories that popped in my head that it could be considered post-apocalyptic. So. Okay. Just kind of backtracking. Fair yeah, enough. I think you're going to pluck it here out of that. No, no. I'm, I think I'm going to leave that one in. <laughs> Take it and put it in the other section. Because I, I want to leave in the, me accusing you of saying that uh, Magneto <laughs> was your hero for destroying half of the world. <laughs> Hey, back when I used to watch the X-Men cartoon, I didn't understand why Magneto was a bad guy at first. I was like, he's just got a different take on how. I mean, that's pretty accurate. Hey, anytime someone survives the Holocaust, you're going to give them a grain of salt at that point. They've seen yeah. the worst of the worst of humanity. Yep. Yeah, and he didn't, I always felt like he didn't necessarily want to kill humans or anything. He just wanted them to be subjects to the mutants who were obviously stronger, more powerful. And, and were being persecuted I could, by I could everybody. see his point. <laughs> I mean, all the mutants were being persecuted by everybody. Yeah. So they built giant killer robots to hunt them down, and if nothing else, keep mm -hmm. them in line. So that um, makes it sound like Magneto's my hero, but I did pick another one. I swear. <laughs> I'm gonna go with uh, my, the author of my favorite comic book, Brian K. Vaughn. Sounds good. So why not? Yeah, why not? He wrote my favorite book. Works for me. All right, Laura, and you can wrap up, wrap up the episode with who is your favorite hero of the week. I decided to throw my grandpa out there this week because when I was reading Wind Number 4, they got to a point where they were talking about how the winter rose is actually a weed, but the character Thorn, I think it was, said that his dad always said, oh, this is my favorite flower. Because it has to survive everything. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. And it reminded me how, like, my grandpa, to trick me into weeding his yard, would tell me his favorite flower was the dandelion. So I would go out and pick him the biggest bouquets of all these giant yellow and, you know, the, the ones that you blow the seeds off of. All these dandelions. I bring them to him. I'm like, here, Grandpa, I got your favorite flowers. And he's like, weeded the yard. Good job, kid. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yep. Yep. So with that, we will say uh, thanks for listening. Follow us on the social medias. It's in the description below. I'm not going to name them all because they're there. There's more, like... Like I guess I don't have the TikTok on there yet, 
but TikTok's on there as well. We have that. We did a TikTok today with Reptar, so check us out on that. And yeah, thanks for listening. Subscribe, rate, review, all that fun stuff. Leave comments. Maybe someday we'll read them. Leave comments. Email us. Tell us what categories to talk about because sometimes we struggle with like sci-fi and stuff and post-apocalyptic. We're two for two with having the struggle bosses on that one. Yeah, and I could probably pick the why why the last man for every category we choose. Also, it qualifies for a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and I will choose it for everyone. Uh, Al, <laughs> if you're listening, I know you are. Congratulations on your new truck. He got a new truck. Oh, nice. He, Congrats, he named Al. The Phantom, the Phantom, I think, is, or the oh, Phantom Ride or something like that. Very nice. So thanks for listening, Al, and everybody else that's listening. Uh, tell us your fun vehicle story names, and we'll try to pimp it out here as well. Hopefully, mm-hmm. I'll do a better job next time. I'll Maybe I'll write it down or just remember what the actual name is. But thanks for listening, and we will see you all next time.